What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Marin with Intuitive Minds Podcast. This is episode 14 featuring Odane Watson, CEO of O Dangerous. How you doing today, Odane? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here. How are you? Good, good. Hanging in there, you know, day by day as this quarantine and COVID happens. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy, crazy. Exactly. How are you doing on this? Um, I'm doing good. I mean, I'm honestly just... um basically just trying to be as creative and productive as possible. That to me is helping me, my mental health. I think a lot of people are kind of dealing with, you know, there's obvious, um, you know, the isolation and stuff like that. And of course the ramifications of what's going on globally. But I think a lot of, a lot of, a lot of it is also um, people having to deal with their, the mental health aspect of it, you know? Yeah. So for me, what's keeping me sane yeah. <laughs> is just trying to be as productive and creative as, as possible. I'm not really a homebody type of person. I'm always like on the go. So this definitely has been um, a learning lesson of just having to be calm and sit down, you know? You're trying to find the positive and the negative. Yeah, I mean, you have to. I mean, it's happening. So... Whenever you are, whenever you are faced with something, you have to just deal with it according accordingly, and you also have to be open to adjust. And that's what immediately I thank God that I have that that type of spirit. But immediately, that's what I did. I was like, okay, this is happening. I'm not going to be reactive. I'm going to be proactive because it's happening. And I can't, you know, it's it's not it's not in my control. So I just have to be the best version of me in the situation. Yeah. So uh, give us a breakdown of who Odain Watson is, where you're from, and how did you start yeah. the entertainment? So I am originally from upstate New York, from Albany, and I got, a, I got professionally started in the entertainment industry when I was 14. So I used to do like theater, like regional theater in my hometown of Albany. And I started with um, a company called Park Playhouse. So I had auditioned um, my aunt, Aunt Gwen. Shout out to Aunt Gwen. Um, she brought me to this audition for this play called Brigadoon. And thank God I got the, I got the job. And that's the rest is history. I started just doing theater. Um, in high school, I started this theater company in my high school. I continued to work with Park Playhouse and I worked with some other theater companies. And then um, I went to New York City and uh, was auditioning and all that stuff and um, booking some things here and there. And then um, I decided to pursue music. I had this moment in my career mm -hmm. where I was pursuing music and I really wanted to do like pop music, like more dance. And that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother, uh, story. But you know, when I was, when I was pursuing music, you know, I was going around to different like record labels, meeting with different producers. And of course everybody had their own, um, idea of what they wanted me right. to sound like or what they wanted me to, to look like, et cetera. Um, so I mentally just wasn't in the right headspace back then to deal with all of that. Mm -hmm. um, I was fortunate enough to get a single with Lil Wayne. Um, this was back in what, 2010, 2011. Mm -hmm. So um, 
Yeah, so I, I I did the music thing for a little bit, and then that kind of like dissipated. I I had you know switched management, and then I don't want to say that I lost interest. It just wasn't a passion for me anymore. It wasn't something that I felt like I was waking up every day and I was like, this is what I wanted to do. Being creative has always been something that I've been gravitated towards. So like, no matter what aspect I'm doing, even now, like I'm doing fashion, I'm always going to be creative. It's just like, if my heart is not into something, I just prefer really not Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. do it. And I kind of lost that spark in music because of the industry. It wasn't like, um, I, I thought I wasn't talented or something like that. I just wasn't at that. Once again, at that time, I was not in the headspace to mentally Mm -hmm. deal with all that came with, you know, the whole major record label machine and expectations and this and that, because I didn't feel like I didn't have any support. I mean, sometimes I feel like that, that way now, but back then, I really felt like that. Right. Yeah. So when you are, when you're put in those positions and you don't feel like you have support, it's hard for you to mentally, you know, feel like you want to keep going. So Mm -hmm. I just kind of pivoted my music career and um, into fashion because the acting thing I've always done, like even, like I said, back in when I was 14 and I started doing plays, I mean, you know, that's acting. So the acting thing, even now, I, I do miss that. Now that's something I'm like, oh, I miss going to auditions. I miss like that mm-hmm. whole aspect of the art form of acting, but um, music, not so much. I mean, my hat goes off to any musician, anybody pursuing music, cause it's just so, it's such a, it's a, so, I mean, Acting's hard. The the fashion industry is hard, but the music industry is just so. It's too many it's, roadblocks. What, what, say it's that too again. Too many. Too many roadblocks. Yeah, it's too many roadblocks, and it's like even when you feel like you're there, or even when you you achieve stuff. I mean, I had a, a single, one of the biggest artists to this day of all times, and I felt like people were still like, okay, trying to dissect me and figure out okay well we got to find something wrong with him you know what I mean like it just was too it was too much of a mental situation for me I just it was not and it reminds me I just wasn't in a good mental state in my life back in that time you know um but yeah so I did some acting stuff here also in Los Angeles and I just once again I pivoted my career to be an entrepreneur and to start a brand. But a lot of that had to do with my music. And that's why when I look at it, it's like everything that I've done has been a stepping stone to the bigger picture. I've always loved business. I've always wanted to be my own boss, my own brand. So when you get told no so many times in certain situations and circumstances, you know, happen where that could block you financially or, I just never wanted that to happen to me again. Mm -hmm. And the only way to control that was for me to be my own boss. So I said, okay, your music career is not working out the way that you want it. You know, these record labels are saying this, saying that you're being promised this, your management pretty much stole all your money. Um, I was, I was in rehearsals for a tour in a Vegas um, residency, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. at this one hotel, they were going to, we were going to do like two nights a week, 
um, this was way before the Vegas residency thing was even a trend. And I was like a nobody, but this hotel was going to be giving us an opportunity. And we were in rehearsals here in LA and the whole thing was just like, the whole thing just fell apart. And then that was like the straw that broke the camel's back for me because, you know, I was employing technically a lot of people. I mean, we had dancers, we had this, and then nobody got paid. Like, no, and like, it's one thing for, you know, it's one thing when you lose out, it's another thing when other people lose out. And I have such a big heart, like even with Oh Dangerous, and we'll, we'll touch on that later. Right. When we talk about the new collection, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the thing people don't realize. Like when you're a leader, it's not just about you. You have to, you're providing for so many other people. Right. Well, that was it for me. So after that tour fell apart, I was like, y'all, y'all can have it. I'll, y'all can have this. Mm-hmm. Done, I'm out. Because I was just like, this is too, this is too grimy and cutthroat for me. This is not right. the way I was raised. And it's not that serious. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if, if God wants me to be a pop star, I'll be a pop star one day. You know what I mean? So I just, I, I just looked at that situation and I said, I don't ever want this to happen to me again. I never want to receive a phone call or be financially dependent on somebody or something because it, it, it's a very dark, it's a very dark place to be in, you know, especially when you're a creator, because you take that, you take that, um, you take that to heart. And sometimes you don't, it's hard to separate you, the artist, and then you, the human being, you yeah, know? Yeah. So I took all those letdowns personally. And I was like, I felt like I was a failure, you know, maybe on the outside, it didn't look like that. But internally, that's the way that I felt. So I just was like, I'm never going to have have this happen again, God willing, and take these this lesson. And I pivoted to Oh Dangerous. I said, okay, Oh Dangerous, it's me. It's another side of me. But it's also every every collection I do for Oh Dangerous is a theme. Every collection. It's almost like these are my albums because yeah. mm-hmm. they all mean something personal to me. You know, even though it might look like, oh, it's just a shirt or it's just a jacket. It's like, no, there's a story behind every collection I've ever done. So for me, it was me still having, still me having a way for self-expression, but I'm in control. I don't have to like, you know, no one's saying, oh, well, you have to change, you know, this and that. It's like, no, I'm, I'm dictating. Your own boss. Yeah. Yeah. I'm my own boss. So that's what happened. You know what I mean? Like how the, the steps happen with my music and my acting the acting i like i said i miss that i don't i i love the 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 creative process of all of that mm-hmm. but when it came to music i just was like now nah, i'm good so this gave me an opportunity to um be my own boss be creative and create also create other opportunities for other people mm-hmm. so yeah yeah <laughs> so <laughs> I know it was a lot no, no, no. That's get the backstory because I right. feel like people like to see the end product, but it's like, no, I've worked so hard. I've been through so right. many setbacks in this industry. I've been told no way more than I've been told mm-hmm. yes. I've been very actually I've been told yes very few times. <laughs> like maybe once or twice in my whole right. career. Three times maybe. But every other every other time was no, but I just I just never I just never gave up because I believe to this day, I really believe in what I'm doing and I believe in myself and I look at the big picture and I know sometimes 
people don't immediately get something. They may not immediately get you, and that's fine. But you just always have to be the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know? And to me, that's when I started thinking that way and living my life, I felt free. I didn't feel like I needed validation from other people. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? So, so uh, to go back to, uh, you said you had a single with Lil Wayne. How did that single come about? And which okay. single is that? Yes, the single is called How Far Will You Go, which is actually available on Spotify and iTunes. It's still out. Um, So what happened was I was doing all these demos here in L.A., working with all these different producers, meeting with publishers, meeting with record companies, and Jive Records and Sony gave me an offer. So we ended up going with Sony. So we were basically like in the process of getting all that paperwork stuff done. Then I don't remember who at the time, um, was the head out? I, I don't remember. LA, not LA Reed. I don't know. It was some big music exec. And then they left the label, then they went somewhere else. And then, like, my deals, it just wasn't probably really- LA Reed. LA Reed was yeah. doing transitions a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was like, then, oh, well, you know, that's what, and that's another thing. It's like when you have a team of people and they're in the label, and then you know, someone else leaves or whatever, they may not be as passionate about that artist as the other person is. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So my project, make a long story short, my project um, didn't have a lot more, like it didn't have the steam, just no one was really pushing it. So going back to your question with Lil Wayne, I had met one of his writers and I had played for them some of my demos. And at that time I, I had this like, Prince, pop, kind of fusion sound. And they were like, oh, well, um, what was his name? This was R&B artist. I can't think of his name. Um, he had did this song with Wayne, and they wanted me to kind of redo it. And I said, oh, I want to do the song, but it's too R&B. And that was the biggest fight of my music career, mm-hmm. is that, you know, this was like right before Lady Gaga came out on uh, she was she was she signed to interscope and i remember even meeting with jimmy iveen and everybody because you know i'm african african-american male they wanted me to be a r&b singer and i always wanted to be like britney spears i was like i yeah, want to yeah. be a pop star so they weren't feeling that and i wanted to do dance music they weren't even feeling a lot of the producers i wanted to work with i wanted to go over to sweden and europe and basically like work with those producers and all the producers I got paired with were like hip hop, R and B. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it was like we weren't really vibing. Like mm-hmm. their energy, my energy wasn't really working, you know, uh meshing that well. So anyway, um I met one of his writers. They said, Hey, we like your sound. We have this project. It's not gonna um he did a, this song, but we wanna redo the song. I said, Well, let me do the song the way I wanted to do it. And then that's how the single came about. I redid the song in a more pop kind of, it has like a R&B, hip hop. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. But I did it in a more pop way that that was right for me. And um, everybody signed off on it. And then that was it. But like I said, you know, a lot of people didn't get the song. They didn't understand it. Um, At that time, Wayne was incarcerated. So it was really hard to promote because everybody wanted him. They didn't really want me because I was a, you know, nobody knew who I was. So it was, it was a tough, it was a tough sell. So what I did was I, I pushed another single. I pushed shock and awe, which is still one of my favorite songs. The song that didn't feature him because I was like, okay, 
you guys are basically saying I have to wait until he gets out of jail, which yeah, was like, a I think like 10 or 11 months more to do. I said, mm-hmm. so what am I going to do? Just sit here and not be productive. So it was just a lot of, once again, it was a lot of roadblocks. It was like, okay, you're good, but we want Wayne. We want, it's like, yeah. So it was like, they weren't really pushing my artistry. It was more so I was, I, they wanted little Wayne. And then the fact that he was incarcerated, they couldn't get him. And I was just basically like collateral damage. That's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. And then once the money started drying up, then everybody kind of switched their tune. Because of course, when you have a song with Lil Wayne, people are jumping like, oh my gosh, like you're about oh, to be yeah. a big multi-millionaire pop star. And you get all your friends and all these representatives wanting. Yeah, so... That happened, and then I went and I got signed to another record label, mm-hmm. a smaller independent label where I was going to be kind of like the star because it was me and I think there was like two or three other artists that were on the mm-hmm. label, and that was it. But they were going to put a lot of money in my project. They were going to do a lot, but then they lost all their money. They lost all their funding. So... I've been around. I've been yeah. <laughs> and it seems I, like there's a lot of like I've been around. I I mean I have so many stories and that's the thing like I just people don't understand like I've been through so much and it's crazy because I actually spoke we haven't I haven't even seen him in years but um uh Lindell I spoke with him. It was so great catching up with him because he him him and I hadn't spoke. Lindell is was the owner of the other um the record company that I was signed to. And um, he really pushed me. I will say out of all the people who back, back then at that point that were like in my life that were more on the executive quote unquote side, he really believed in me. He really did. And even, you know, he called me to congratulate me on Oh Dangerous and stuff like that. But because he jokingly used to call me Oh Dangerous. That's, mm-hmm. and that's crazy. That's okay. kind of, partially how I came up with the name of Dangerous because okay. he was like, dude, you're nuts. You're always like, you just get right back up. Like, you're just right. always just like high energy. He was like, you're so old. He was like, because you know my name's Odane. He was like, <laughs> he was like, screw Odane. You're Dangerous." Yeah, nice. <laughs> okay, I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah, that's how he, he's the one who named me Dangerous because we were just, he was in the, he was in the war zone with me. I, I got to say it was like, you know, LA is a very tough market. It's a very, very tough market. Mm-hmm. And we were really pushing, he was really pushing to make me the, the star that, you know, he felt that I was, you know, they were, they were going to put millions of dollars behind my con behind my project, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but then they lost all their money. So then it was like, okay, what do we, mm-hmm. what do we do now? You know? So then I was like, I'm starting my own brand. That was another reason why I was like, okay, I got to start my own brand. You've had like a lot of, so there's a lot of turbulence with a lot of creative differences happening from what I've, from what I've noticed. Because uh, you wanted to do one thing, but then the label was like, nah, we want to do, and then you moved on to a more independent label and they're like, well, yeah, you've got, you've got a certain, they actually were looking into you a little more, you know, because they're independent as opposed to a powerhouse. Which yeah, I feel because like they saw me as a person. They saw mm-hmm. my personality. They were invested in me. Mm-hmm. But one, one of the biggest things that changed my whole life, I never, this, wow. I, this is the biggest thing that changed my whole life. And I don't remember, there's like three, three or four like epiphanies that I've had in my whole like life. And I don't remember her name. 
but she was one of the execs over at BMG Publishing, right? So this is when I was making my my record label rounds. I literally met with every single major record label ever, mm-hmm. like you know, everyone, like all of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm in LA. They they were at the time. Now they're they're on Wilshire and La Brea, or no no Wilshire and Fairfax, but they used to be like Wilshire and like Doheny, Beverly Hills. BMI. And I remember in the meeting, right? So she's listening to all my music and she's like, okay, so tell me about you. And so I'm telling her about like my childhood and my growing up kind of dysfunctional. Right, blah, blah, blah. Right. He says, stop right there. Stop right there. They don't care about your story. They don't care about your story. You have to, you have to make hit records. And literally I remember leading that meeting and like, I think I was crying and I think I called my sister because I felt so beat down because mm-hmm. when you're a passionate person and you're an artist, you know, I, once again, I grew up doing theater. So this whole Hollywood, you know, mass production factory stuff, mm-hmm. I'm still sometimes even learning it. And I've been doing this for a minute now, you know, because my heart is in the work. Because if you don't have, if your work isn't good, I don't care how many filters or all the showmanship you put around something, you have to be able to really be truthful to the art form and your work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that changed my thinking. Like, I was like, wow, these people really don't care about me. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a powerhouse. I mean, it's a a fucking powerhouse. It's crazy. Screw your story. Can you make hit records? And I'm thinking like, no, but this song is about this. So that was a big lesson for me where I had to like, you know, like, say, oh, Dane, like, you know, you just got to take your emotion out of business. And that's the way I am now. But I, but who knows, like, if I would be that way if it wasn't for her, because I learned that from her. And that one moment, she, I think maybe her and I maybe communicated once or twice after that initial meeting via email, because of course they passed on me. But I remember like I always think about that sometimes because I'm like, wow, this lady really did help change my career because now I don't think emotionally, I think about business when it comes to a lot of the the decision-making that I do now. Mm-hmm. So, and the minute if from, and it's, it's crazy because you were actually doing all this when it was starting, music was starting to transition from buying CDs to streaming. Yes. That's another effect that can affect an artist because now it's like, okay, this is a whole new world now. How do I adjust to it? How does my management adjust to it? How does my team yeah. adjust to it? And then that's when the tussle begins. And that's when you have to be like, okay, cool. I'm going to, you know what, step away from this and then start to brainstorm because at the end of the day, I only have one life, yeah, one creativity, and that's my creativity. And I'm not going to put it to waste by, yeah. this, you know, going with these powerhouses, you know what I mean? So yeah. when then you said you, you prefer acting more and you want to go back to acting, Mm-hmm. Give us a little bit of a history on that. You you were on uh, Tron. Uh, yeah, I did well. Tron. That was a, that was another like okay. I was working at Hollywood and Highland at the, I don't know if you've been to um, Hollywood and Highland out here in LA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's basically like an outside mall. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. They have all these like kiosks. Mm-hmm. So I was working at a T-Mobile kiosk selling like SIM cards and phones and stuff, and I got the call like you have an audition for Tron. And I was like, what's Tron? I don't even know what Tron is. So mm-hmm. I called my boss. And I'm like, I got to go on this audition. She's basically like, if you go on this audition, I'm going to have to let you go because you can't just leave. So 
of course I left, I was late. And the, my agent's calling me like, the director is specifically waiting for you. You're not even there. The audition was all the way in Santa Monica. Ooh. So I get there and um, I'm late, of course. And you know, there's other actors there. Mm-hmm. And then it's my turn to go in. And I go in and there's a, there is the um, Jeff, who's director trying to, Jeff Kerensky or something I'm like that. I'm not too sure. It was. He's sitting there with his like assistant or something. We're in a room. And he's like, hello, Mr. Watson. And I'm like, hi. And I'm like, dude, I am so sorry. I'm late. I just got this job at this T-Mobile kiosk. And da, 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 da. And he started cracking up. But I was being honest. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, so I have, my, I have my sides, like my script in my hand. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? I don't even want you to read. He goes, where are you from? Tell me about you. And I said, I'm from upstate New York. I came out to LA. I was doing music. I love acting. I did theater, blah, 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 blah. He was like, okay, all right. Um, all right. Well, thank you. And I'm like, oh, cause once again, I didn't even get to read. Mm-hmm. So I left and I'm like, oh, damn it. I ain't going to get this gig. Like, damn it. I was late. This mm-hmm. dude is like, this dude is nuts. I'm talking about my job at T-Mobile. he's like no dude you know and then next thing i know two days later my agent said you got tron and i said you're lying and she's Mm -hmm. like no they booked you for the for the role and then the rest is history and he really was supportive and i reached out to him after the movie came out because i had read that they were going to do a new another one and i was like all right i'm ready because he was really supportive on set you could tell Whatever energy I was given in that moment, he was feeling that energy. But right. the energy really yeah. was me being myself. I didn't put on this like Hollywood actor veneer, like I got my shit together and I'm this Hollywood star and I'm an mm-hmm. actor. I was like, no, dude, I'm mm-hmm. working at T-Mobile. It's P-O. almost like what Barbara Streisand did in one audition. There was a particular audition she went on and she literally was chewing gum the whole time during the audition, but she was twirling the gum. She was like playing with it. Like, and then, and then the director said the same thing. It's like, you know what? Fuck the scripts. Come on said this and this and this, you got the part. So yeah. it's like being yourself is more, more than just oh, I'm an actor. More stuff by myself. Even mm-hmm. when I did acts of valor, which was uh, acts of valor too. I, they didn't have me read. I went in there and I was just myself. Like literally, like when I'm when I'm myself, I feel like that's more me. Of course, I love acting. Of course, I love the the character building and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you also you want to work with people that you like, you right. know. Yeah. And I feel like whatever energy, like I said, that I was giving off, I felt like the directors was like, "Yo, I want to, I can work with him," you know. And I was always professional on set. I always listened. I always watched because, of course. You know, I'm working with big name actors, so I want to learn from these people because they they they're doing something right. You know, so that's something else that I've, I've learned with all my experiences from music, working with big producers, being around big artists is always learn from them, always watch. You know, like you can never be in a position where you 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 can't you can stop learning. You know, yeah. so um yeah, so that's that's how. That's how that happened with me being in uh, Tron was just literally like me being late to an audition and then him just saying, 
you know what? Tell me about where you're from. And I gave him my whole life story. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, oh, okay, well, thank you. And, you know, I've been so many auditions. You know, usually that means, like, you know, we'll call, don't call us, we'll call you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty you much. Know? So I was like, oh, no, I didn't get this gig. But, you know, I'm one of those people, I always pray and I always say, you know, what's right for me is right for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I totally didn't think I was going to get that job, but I ended up, thank God. Especially for- being late because, you know, being on time is being late. 15 minutes early is on time. That's, yeah. the, that's the motto in, in, in the industry. Exactly. Do you prefer theater or do you prefer film? Which one? Because I know there's actors that are comfortable doing theater. Some are comfortable doing film. I prefer theater in the sense of and this is the thing that I literally been been like, I'm telling you so many, per- like people don't know mm-hmm. this about me because I'm really a very, um, like as extroverted as I am, I'm a very shy person and I can be very, um, uh, not closed off, but what's the word? I can be very like, just to myself, mm-hmm. you know? Like I miss theater because that's where I started and because there's a sense of community and I feel LA, is you know i've been here this is my 10th year living here Mm. and la is extremely isolating and i feel like the more successful you get and now i get it i'm not on that level yet but i get like like people celebrities their their mental capacity like deteriorating Mm -hmm. i just feel like la can be very isolating and I miss being around people. I miss a community of theater. You know, you have the set designers, you have the costume people, you have the other actors, you have everybody coming together and working together to build a project. Whereas in film, you know, you're there for the day, one day or two days yeah. or however many scenes and you never see these people again until the movie comes out or something like that, you know? Like where theater, you literally are, you really are creating this experience for the audiences from the ground up, you know? So I miss that. I miss the sense of community. And in LA, you don't really have you don't really have that type of um you don't really it's, have that. It's type more business minded here. It's more yeah, it's business. And then if you're if you're if you are if you have a heart, I'm not saying people that that don't act like that are heartless, but if you are motivated by something else, let me let me uh, preface it that way, then it can be very discouraging. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Sometimes I'm discouraged here in LA because everything is like, you know, business, 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 business. And sometimes you just are like, can we just have a regular conversation that has nothing to do with what you do for work or what I do for work or anything like that? You know, that can be like a little like mentally draining. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and then you moved on to fashion and you mentioned, oh, dangerous. What's the message behind the the brand and the message behind? I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. Go on, go on, go on. on. Sorry. Um, The message behind the brand is living in your truth and creating your reality because that is what set me free. Because like I said, back in the day when I was like, basically kind of like being shuffled around, you know, I was just trying to be what I needed to be because I was like, I, this is an opportunity that I don't want to miss. And this could be like a once in a lifetime thing. Like you have a song with this big artist, you have record labels looking at you. Mm-hmm. Don't mess it up, you know? So I put all that into the brand and the brand is all about just perseverance, faith, getting back up, 
not being afraid of, you know, being told no, or the notion, quote unquote, of failure, because I don't believe in failure. I believe that it's just life lessons and that's it, you know, and you're supposed to transition in life. You don't ever want to just stay in one spot. Even if you're successful, that's great, but you got to eventually evolve, you know? So that's what the brand really represents. I always try to do stuff that is bold, that is in your face, um, that aligns with someone who is on the journey of creating a better life for themselves. Mm-hmm. So, and that brings the whole thing with uh, Joe Exotic. You know, the reason why I wanted him to work with him, period, was because I admired watching the show. Mm-hmm. I admired his hustle. I admired his perseverance. I admired the fact that so many roadblocks came into his life and he still was able to manifest things to be uh, prosperous and to go beyond that. So that was my initial attraction. You to, almost felt like, like related to him in a way. Oh, I did. I, I completely relate to him because I'm like, this guy has been through so much stuff and he keeps pushing forward. And that's the thing you have to do in life. And that is the old dangerous brand. And, you know, with the whole revenge thing, I had already mapped out the, I had themed my next collection, Revenge, in January of 2020. So I already had mapped it out and had started doing like a mood board for it. So I already had was going to call it Revenge because I had so many things happen in my personal life that I was like, okay, what do, what do I have to say now? Because like I said earlier, I theme every collection. Every collection is themed to something personal to me. So I said, revenge. But for me, revenge, success is the best revenge. So then, of course, you know, I'm watching the show like everybody else uh, as far as far as uh, Tiger King on Netflix. And I reached out to him and I said, this is my brand. This is what I stand for. These are the people who I've worked with. This is what I believe I can do. I think I'm the right person for the job. I understand you. I understand you know, where I feel like your potential is in the fashion sector and I do streetwear and that's how it happened, you know? So I'm thankful for that, for the opportunity of working with him. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the messaging, because like I said, even what what's going on with him now, it's just, I mean, I couldn't even predicted it. Like the fact that mm-hmm. the collection's name is Revenge. Right. I have Joe Exotic. You know, he's trying to get vindication. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it fits, you know, but I have prayed about it. And I, I was, what's crazy is that I prayed about it. And I swear to you, God said that that was going to happen for me. This was going to happen for me. And then when it came out, it sold out in, in one day. Like, what was that? What was that feeling like when you found scared. that out? I was scared. Mm. I was honestly, I was so scared. I called Gene, who works with me um, in production, and I said, he know, and he reached out to me. He said, dude, do you see these numbers? I said, dude, I'm scared, partially because we got to make sure we're able to fulfill all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we got to make sure. The inventory that, is right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the inventory is right, you know? So um, I was scared, but then, of course, I was happy. I was excited. I was like, wow, like, this is crazy. But... In a way, I kind of knew it because, first off, I worked harder on this collection. And this is just, uh, this is not even cut and sew. We haven't introduced cut and sew yet. That is coming. Mm-hmm. I worked harder on this collection than I have any other collection. And that's the God honest truth. Because you're marrying 
my ideas, my brand with somebody else and their image and their own design um, ideas and et cetera, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a lot, there's a lot more that has gone into this. Um, and also, you know, you have to be sensitive to, to, to stuff too, because of the context of, you know, him and his personality and in in that whole world. So, um, I was really excited. I was really like happy that people, um, that people saw stuff that they wanted because I've been very adamant on making sure that the integrity of the brand is still there and that, um, you, we, we, there's a, the perfect combination of Joe Exotic and then Streetwear and O Dangerous. So I think people also were thinking it was going to be this more like um, Western theme type of like kind of the way he dressed on the show. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, this is a streetwear collaboration. So we definitely want to target the fashion streetwear connoisseurs and the people. A lot of people forgot to, forgot to read the part streetwear. Yeah, they yeah they fixate they fixated on Joe style, exotic and his style on the on the show, but they didn't understand that you know this is us taking that, elevating it to a streetwear apparel, you know dimension, and that's I feel like that's what we did, and that's what we're going to continue to do successfully because this is going to go on for months, and we're almost sold out um, of the the second drop that dropped what like uh maybe a week ago or less than a week ago or almost out of that so the collection is constantly going to be changing all the time we right. are going to introduce cut and sew i am going to have some jackets and some stuff and i am going to have some stuff that's similar to what's like truly what people i feel like right. like oh i could see joe wearing that but once again it, it's all about maintaining the brand integrity of o dangerous but also having that joe exotic like influence Mm -hmm. and then the the collections like you said is going to continue to to, to yeah, drop, continue drop. evolve we're going to have different styles and what's once stuff sells out it's gone we're not reintroducing it because i feel like we need to just keep it moving mm -hmm, you know so there's no like next year and there's no two years or it depends on depending on the drop i guess yeah it depends on the drop and it depends who knows we might like reintroduce something limited edition or kind of reintroduce it but give it a different twist you know mm -hmm. but i get bored very easily so for me i got to keep things fresh even as me being you know the creator of it all i still have to keep myself interested and the best way for me to keep interested is to keep it moving mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean yeah do you have any advice you like to give to any up-and-comers that are trying to achieve what you you've already achieved Industry yes, never, and this is the most cliche thing ever in the whole world, but it's so true. The best advice that I can give anybody on the planet Earth is, or anywhere, never give up, never give up. And you always have to believe in yourself. You have to be your best cheerleader. And if you want people to believe in you, you got to believe in yourself because you got to go in any room and you got to sell yourself and you have to look at yourself as a brand. You dress for the part and you, you dress and exude um, confidence for the life that you want, not the life that you have at that moment. Because sometimes you're gonna have to be, you're, you'll be in your darkest hours, but you still have to have that element about you to push through. So just never feel like, oh, don't ever be a product of your circumstances, you know? Even if you, got a, you only got a dollar to your name, who cares? You go out there, and you walk down the street 
like you are a multimillionaire and you got a bodyguard and a Rolls Royce Phantom out front. Like you got to really, you have to believe it. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people, they get discouraged because of their circumstances. They say, oh, I don't have enough money to do this. Or mm-hmm. oh, you're, already, you're already psyching yourself out. You're already, you're already putting that energy mm-hmm. out there that you're not going to achieve it. You know, you have to, just as much as people like to um, prepare for failure or prepare for, well, I'm going to do this because what if we break up or da da You have to prepare yourself for success. So calculated risk. Yeah. I prepare myself for success. Mm-hmm. That's what I. That's the way I live my life. I'm like, no, I'm gonna be successful. So I'm gonna live. Yeah, right. I mean, that's what you have to do, especially, <laughs> especially in LA, where everything changes constantly. Creativity changes. One thing, one, like you said, one day you're an actor, one day you're a fashion producer, a fashion guy, one day you're, you know, singer songwriter. So it's like it, those things can change in a matter of seconds, especially living in LA for so long, you know what I mean? You meet different people, you go to different events. So, you know what I mean? What's something else that you'd like to share with the world that they don't already know about you? Ooh, let's see. That, um, I'm, I'm as much, like I said earlier, as much as I'm extroverted, I'm kind of an introverted type of person. I can be very kind of shy and quiet a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people don't really, see that because i'm always like bright and and high energy and stuff like that Mm -hmm. you know but when you exert all that energy sometimes you need those moments where you're just quiet so i feel like as much energy as i have a lot of times like the real me not saying that that's not the real me is i can be very introverted and and domestic i like cleaning and i like cooking i know (laughs) <laughs> I really do. I love cleaning and I love cooking and I like doing laundry. Like I like stuff like that. Like, oh, I'm at the house. I'm just cooking, cleaning, like doing like house stuff. Cause LA is so, cause you're always having to be on all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you work in fashion, you know, now that I'm doing this. So then you have all these expectations of everyone because of your fashion, everyone expects you to look always like polished all the time (laughs) well now you you seem to do different things and you've done different things throughout your life who are some of your inspirations that keep you going um inspirations um let's see i love like as far as like people people whether it's music whether it's acting whether it's you know in general that inspire you um, I loved Prince. I loved Prince. He was one of my, like, I was a big fan of Prince. Huge, huge. I mean, I'm still a fan of Prince. I love Prince. I love his artistry. I love the fact that he was willing to put himself out there and he really didn't care. And he really took his artistry very serious. I, I admire that. And I like his work ethic. I love Jennifer Lopez because she's somebody who I look up to because she's been told no a lot throughout her career. And she's managed to also pivot here, pivot there, movies, music, fashion, whatever, you know, because I feel like too in LA, particularly people always want to put you in a box like, Oh, you're a fashion designer. Oh, you're an actor. Oh, you do music to me. Even when people say, Oh, you're a fashion designer, I'll take whatever title you give me. I don't really, my ego's not that big. I don't really care about stuff like that. But my thing about it is, like, I just feel like I'm a creative person. Like, if you, we can go to a movie set right now and I'll kill it. And then we can go to 
we could go to the fac the factory and I will design the heck out of the jacket and give you, you know, runway couture. And then we can go into the studio and I might spit a bar. <laughs> right, yeah. It's all types of creative. Yeah. Yeah. Just get the yeah, just keep yeah, the like, I, you yeah. can't you can't you can't let people put you in a box. So I admire people who have not allowed the industry or other people put them in the box. Prince, Jennifer Lopez, you know, she's killing it. She does everything. It's like, and she does it really well. You could tell she really takes pride. Whatever project she's doing, she takes pride in her project, you know? I, I like that. I don't like people that just want to slap their name on stuff just because of the clout, you know? I like people who are like, if they're doing clothes, their collection is dope. They're doing music, they're going to give you some, you know? Like, I, I admire that type of, you know, I, I gravitate towards those people mm -hmm. that are like that. It's, it's like Madonna. Like, Madonna's not the best singer in the world, but she's a perfectionist. So she'll show up to, to a set, like, hours before anybody's even there, any crew member's there, and she's practicing her routine. And yeah. people I'm think, good. oh, it's talent. And that's, it's talent, yes, but it's also hard work. It's also dedication yeah. and discipline, you know, waking up early and yeah. having to do a certain routine to get a certain you know, thing going. Uh, yeah. for, you also have to think too, like back then, like J-Lo, Madonna, a lot of those people, you know, the, 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 the way that in the industry has changed, even in the past, even since I've been in LA 10 years, the industry has completely, completely changed. Like now these kids, I call them kids. Um, they think everything's easy. They don't understand the hard work. They don't understand rehearsal. They don't understand the le that there's levels to the stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like Jennifer Lopez, Madonna, these people, they come from a generation where you, you know, they slept on floors. They did this to get, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there was a struggle. Now these kids think, oh, they just post something on Instagram. They just want to be famous. They don't want to put in the work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You well, know? For um for oh dangerous what's what's next besides the revenge collection that you have what's next what's for next is other partnerships I had a meeting about that earlier this morning um I prayed about this in twenty last year and I said and it's crazy because I said I want next year for oh dangerous to do his first collaboration for the for the line um and then that came into light so I like working with other brands and other creatives and kind of like creating something together. So I want to keep that going. Of course, you know, we're going to just, we're going to also release our signature collection and go back to doing, you know, the best outerwear out there. But I do want to keep the collaborations going. I really like, I like how this is going. I like that people are like, Oh, because it also it introduces different audiences and it brings you, different people that would have never known about me, you know? So I, I like that. Um, now, towards the end of the podcast, I do these 10 questionnaires that I got from James Lipton, a host of the Inside Actor Studio. Um, he recently passed away, and I honor him by asking these 10 questions that he asked his guests towards the end of his show. The first is, what is your favorite word? Love. What is your least favorite word? Stupid. What turns you off? What turns me off? Uh, nail it, dirt in your fingernails. I don't like that. 
<laughs> what turns you on? Good smell, a scent, a good scent. What sound or noise do you love? I love the sound of the ocean. What sound or noise do you hate? I don't like honks, like car, the honks, like the, the honking of a car. What is your favorite curse word? My favorite curse word is bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's my favorite one. Yeah. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I would love to be a criminal defense attorney. What profession would you not like to do? I would not want to work in a morgue. <laughs> <laughs> if heaven exists, what would you like to God say? What would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Good job. Yeah. Any last words you'd like to give to the people? Any shout outs? And where can they follow the brand as well as you on social media? I would like to tell everybody to don't give up. Create your reality, living your truth. You're going to be told lots of no's, but all you need is one yes that can completely change your life. Um, the brand is O-Dangerous. That's O-D-A-I-N-G-E-R-O-U-S. All my social media handles are at O-Dangerous. And of course, the website is odangerous.com. And the Joe Exotic O-Dangerous Revenge Collection is out. And you guys got to support. We're going to be changing the line all the time. So there's going to be new stuff dropping all the time. It's a dope collection. It's going to last for a couple months, this um, collaboration. And then, you know, I'm going to have other projects for the brand and individually um, that I'm working on also. So it's going to be a very busy 2020. I turned that pandemic frown and I turned it into a smile. You're positive. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, guys. This was episode 14 featuring O'Dane Watson, CEO of streetwear brand O'Dangerous. Peace.